Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Our listener support campaign continues. You can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. And I want to thank Robert for becoming our latest Patreon supporter at the Master Detective level of $15 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Robert. In addition, you can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net for our PayPal link. Now it's time for this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date is July the 10th, 1951, and the title is China Sea Smuggling. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to drop me into a spot where a kiss is either going to cure me or kill me. Morning, Commissioner. Ruth said you had an assignment for me. I do, Steve, and I suppose you were all tied up with a big deal as usual. Well, let's just call it a pet project. Mm, Well, uh, Steve, ever hear the name Captain Jager? Captain Jager? Sure. He's supposed to be a notorious character in the China Seas. Sort of an American soldier of fortune, or I should say sailor of fortune. Operates a string of small boats and does just about anything for a buck. That's the story, all right. Supposedly, he runs guns and other contraband to ports on the China coast, but... We can never get the goods on him. Well, uh, you're up to date on Captain Jager, all right. And, Steve, we're going to use Captain Jager to nail whoever is financing the entire contraband operation. Then this Captain Jager just runs this string of smuggling boats, huh? Yeah, you might put it like that. Captain Jager's personal boat is supposed to be a rusty old tramp steamer named the Shanghai Lady. Look, Commissioner, this is all pretty vague. Captain Jager's ship is named the Shanghai Lady. And we're going to use Jager to nail the brains of the operation. But How? Where do I start? Who do I work with? You report to uh, Naval Intelligence at Luzon in the Philippines, Steve. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, you know there's a very peculiar gleam in your eye, Commissioner. Who? Me? Yeah, you. There's a lot you haven't told me about this deal. I've told you all I can at this stage of the operation, Steve. Naval Intelligence in the Philippines will take it from there, and your plane leaves in just one hour. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you'll find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Sure, I've got my assignment. Or have I? 
All I know is there's a wholesale smuggling operation going on in the China Sea and that somehow I'm supposed to tangle with a rugged gent named Captain Jaeger and use him to find out who's masterminding the operation. Yeah, I'm really in the dark on this deal. It's like playing a game of poker when I can't see my own hand. And I've got an uneasy feeling I'm going to run into somebody who'll be trying his best to make me cash in my chips permanently. It's Wednesday when my plane lands in the Philippines and I head for Navy Intelligence Headquarters at Luzon. There, I'm introduced to a Commander Elwood. He ushers me into a waiting car and the driver heads for the waterfront. The uh, billion on the background of this operation, Mitchell? Not much, Commander. The commissioner said you boys in Naval Intelligence would supply a few missing pieces. Well, uh... I'm not exactly with Naval Intelligence. Oh, then uh, who... Uh, but I uh, can give you a little of the general info. You probably know all about the contraband that's being run into the China Seas these days. Yeah. The mission is brief. It's to find out who's financing the whole deal. Sure, sure, all this I know, Commander, but what I don't get... Yeah? Well, look, I dash out here to the Philippines on a plane. I'm no sooner here than you usher me into this car and we head down here to the waterfront. I still don't know where I'm heading. We're here. Let's go. Okay. Don't wait, driver. We may be quite a little while. All right, this way, Mitchell. They're uh, turning onto the dock. Right. Hey, that's a submarine tied up there. Right again. I'll uh, try to take good care of you, Mitchell. Well, are you the skipper? <laughs> yes, I'm the skipper. Come on, let's get aboard. We're getting underway immediately. We shove off, and as I watch the shoreline fade, I get that uneasy feeling again. We set our course southwest the first day we cruise on the surface, but the second day we submerge. Late in the afternoon, the skipper sends for me. I find him in the conning tower. Well, we ought to be just about at the end of the line, Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Where are we? Well, that's just what we're going to find out right now. Up, Periscope. Uh, now we'll see what we can see. Hmm. Hey, you know, I guess I'll have to give that navigator of mine a raise. He's pretty good. Yeah, take a look, Mitchell. Okay. Ah, looks like we're out in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. Swing right a little now. Okay. Hey, a tramp steamer. Yeah. Can you make out the name on the stern? Shang... Shanghai lady. Hey. Down, Periscope. Look, what's the deal? Here, Steve, this envelope is for you. Huh? What's in it? Sealed orders. You'd open them when you get aboard. Get aboard what? The Shanghai lady. The... Hey, now, wait a minute. I'm going to board Captain Jaeger's ship. Yeah, and right now. Stand by to surface. Well, this is really a surprise, and right now I'm not at all sure it's a pleasant one. The subsurfaces. They open the hatches, the skipper shakes hands with me and sticks me into a rubber boat, and a couple of the crew row me towards the Shanghai lady which is lying too, gently rolling on the swell. It's a rusty old tub, and when we get close, I see the crew standing at the rail, staring down at me. And a more rugged-looking bunch of pirates I've never seen. I climb uneasily up the ladder and onto the deck. At close range, the crew is more sinister-looking than ever, and one of them, a stocky guy with a stocking cap, comes up to me. Uh, hi. Yeah. Is Captain Jaeger around? This way. Up this ladder. Okay. Here. Inside. All right. This is Captain Jaeger's cabin. Oh? Well, where is he? Right here. 
Oh, you? No, you. What? That's what? right. Look, is this some kind of a joke? No joke. Better read your orders, Mitchell. Mitch. Hey. Yeah, I guess I better. Anything that you don't understand, I'll fill in if I can. Hey. Surprise, huh? Yeah, it says there is no Captain Jaeger. That's right. But I don't understand all the stories I've heard sure, about. Sure, Mitchell. Remember during the last war, the RAF, whenever anything went wrong, who did the pilots blame it on? Why, the gremlins. Hey, wait, are you trying to say that Captain Jaeger is a gremlin? More or less. The Navy started it, I guess. There's been a lot of trouble in these waters the last couple of years. So everything that went wrong, every time there were guns smuggled or things like that, they started saying Captain Jaeger did it. Well, I'll be... So that's why the commissioner had that gleam in his eye when he was talking about Captain Jaeger. But that doesn't explain this ship and its crew. Also, my being sent here, unless... Oh, yeah. Sure, you get it. If everyone believes in Captain Jaeger, why not come up with one? Yeah, Captain Jaeger has a reputation for being a clever smuggler. Maybe the gent who's financing all this gun running will try to hire Captain Jaeger. That's the general idea. Let's go back out on deck. Okay. Any more questions? Yeah. The crew, who are they? Volunteers from the Marine Corps. Huh. What do you know? Pretty rugged-looking bunch, aren't they? The guy over there on the wing of the bridge, that's Johnson. Bakewell's the one down there on the well deck. The others are below deck right now, all except the sleepy-looking cutthroat over there at the rail. They call him Tennessee. Hi, Skip. I wonder why. Hi, Tennessee. Long way from home, aren't you? Well, sure enough, I am, Skip. A real long way from women, folks. Yeah. Hey, uh, how much does the crew know about this deal? They didn't know anything until they got aboard. Now they have a general idea of the operation. Well, I guess that clears up everything but you. Mike Merrick, first mate of the Shanghai Lady, otherwise known as Lieutenant Merrick, United States Navy. Oh, well, I guess you can drop the accent for the time being. What accent? Oh, built in, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're the skipper, Steve, or rather Captain Jaeger. What happens from now on is up to you. What's our position, Mike? Out in the middle of the South China Sea. Let's see. My orders say to visit some of the ports in this neck of the woods. See if you'll be contacted by anybody. Uh-huh. Well, suppose we head for the Malayan Peninsula, down to Singapore, then over to Sumatra, Java, Borneo. Sounds fine. Something sure ought to happen in one of those places. Yeah, something will, all right. The question is, what? Well, come on, let's get underway. What time is it, Mike? Almost 2,400. Midnight, huh? Pretty bright moonlight. Yeah. I didn't realize there were so many little islands here along the Malayan coast. Yeah, a flock of them. Not too much room between these two. If we hold on this course, we should clear okay. Steady as you go, Tennessee. Sure enough, Skip. Uh, I mean, I <laughs> Hey, that's funny. Hmm? That island over on our right. I thought I saw a light for a second. Where? Near the point. I don't see any. Wait. There's a junk coming around that point right ahead of us. Hey, there comes some more of them. Out find other islands, eh? Hey, they've got machine guns. Uh, get down! Man, that's too close, real too close. That's their standard gag. They rake the bridge, hope to kill off everyone there right off the bat. What do you mean? What's Who's in those junks? Malayan pirates, hijackers. These waters are lousy with them. Pretty well-armed, pirate. Sure, that's where some of those smuggled guns end up. Okay, so we drop this Captain Jagger routine and have ourselves a little naval engagement. First, we've got to have room to maneuver this baby. Tennessee, 
Right full rudder. Right full rudder. Steve, what's the matter? Take a look astern of us. Hey, two more junks back there. They just popped out from behind that island on the left. Well, this is just great. Three junks ahead of us, two behind us, and an island on each side. We're bottled up, Mike, but good. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. People used to say it was the biggest cornet in the world, and the man who played it was Pete Kelly. You'll hear him, too, in radio's newest dramatic half-hour, Pete Kelly's Blues, tomorrow and every Wednesday evening on most NBC stations. Pete Kelly's Blues. It's about the big music, the big trouble, and the big roar of the 20s. Hear Pete Kelly's Blues tomorrow on most NBC stations. And now back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Hey, Mike, those monkeys are probably going to try and board us. Don't we have anything more potent than small arms and slingshots to fight back with? Sure, up there on the deck near the bow of that crate. What about it? It's a concealed gun mount. The sides fold down 40 millimeters. Trick is, try to get to it. Hey, one of the boys is trying for it now. Yeah, yeah, looks like something. Oh, brother, they got him cold. Say, look, I think I get that machine gun out of spotted, Skipper. Look, oh. up on the mast of the lead junk. Now, there's a rifle here on the bridge, and I used to be pretty fast before knocking squirrels out of trees. Okay, grab your squirrel gun, Daniel Boone. What are you going to do, Steve? You take over here on the bridge, Mike. As soon as that machine gunner sticks his head out again, you let him have it, Tennessee. Right. Maybe I can make it to the gunman before anybody else lets fly. I hope. <laughs> Tennessee eases over to the wing of the bridge and takes a sight. Then we wait. Now, just a little more now, Santa boy. Come on, baby, peek out. That's it now. Hold it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Got him, Skip. I drop to the deck and run forward to the crate, pull down the slats, and dive behind the shield every time. I swing the 40 millimeter around and go to work on the nearest junk. It's point blank range. Shell rips through the flimsy boat and sets it on fire. I shift to the next one and do likewise. Two bursts more and the third one is done for. The other two turn tail. One of those I set on fire. The other slips around the island. I quit shooting and turn around. Mike is standing there grinning at me. What are you trying to do? Burn the gun up? Why do you figure they jumped us in the first place, Mike? They probably thought we were running guns or other stuff to them. Tell them I don't get you. Routine with these guys. They order a load of guns, COD. Then they sneak out and hijack it on the way. Think of the money they save. Oh, brother, this is a real nice league. We're playing ball, eh? Well, I guess we better... Start Hold it. Huh? Take a look at that silhouette out there in the moonlight. A warship. They're blinking a message to us. Silhouette look familiar? Uh, Dutch, by the look of it. Stand by for... Boarding party. Acknowledge. Out of the frying pan into the fire. We better acknowledge. Not yet. What? Hey, they turned their searchlight on us. Think they can read our names? Sure. What'll it do, Skipper? Straight ahead, Tennessee. Hey, what? Steve, those, those boys mean business. A shot across our bow. Okay, Tennessee, stop the engines. Acknowledge the message. Jay? What was the idea of that? Just acting the way they'd expect Captain Jager to act. Captain Jager? You mean you're not going to identify yourself to them? Mike, suppose those boys think I'm Captain Jager. What'll they do? Uh, probably escort us to the nearest port and search the ship for contraband. That way we get a lot of publicity, huh? Oh, I get it. Wait a minute. Are we by any chance carrying anything in this tub that might be classified as contraband? If so, 
We're cooked. <laughs> Don't worry about that, Steve. Why? What are we carrying? A load of sand. Sand? Yeah. Wait till they start trying to figure that out. They'll flip their lids. That's just about what happens. They escort us into the same Dutch port we were heading for anyway. Throw me in jail and post the guard on board the ship. Then they start trying to figure out what the sand is all about. In the meantime, I'm waiting to see if anyone tries to contact me. The next afternoon, I'm lying on the cot in my cell when I hear a woman's voice out in the office. I wish to see Captain Jagger, if you please. I am his wife. Now, this sounds real interesting. Two minutes later, they usher my wife into the cell. Hello, darling. Uh, oh, now that is no way to greet me. Mm. There. Is not that way much better? Sure is. Like I keep telling myself, I'm so lucky to have a wife like you. That kiss was for the benefit of the guard. I'll bet I got a lot more benefit out of it than he did. I, uh... Colette, I told them I was Captain Jagger's wife. Yeah, I heard you. Why? Otherwise, I do not think they would let me in. And I have to see you. Oh, what about? I wish to interview the famous Captain Jagger. Interview me? Hey, who are you? As I told you, my name is Colette. I work for a newspaper syndicate. There are some questions I would like to ask you. Such as? How long do you expect to be locked up here? Well, that's up to the port authorities. What else? When you are released, where will you go? Why, uh, haven't decided. One more question. Do you know where the Blue Parrot Bar is? I think I could find it. The first night you are released, perhaps? And how? Good. I must go now. Somebody coming down the corridor. The gap. And my first mate. I must go now. I will see you later, darling. Okay, Colette. Hi, Mike. Well, hi, darling. You work fast. Oh, I'm a real slicker. Who is she? My wife. Huh? So she says. She also says she's a newspaper reporter. She wants to interview me in the Blue Parrot Bar the first night I get out of here. I see. You uh, think she could be the contact? I don't know. Well, you should be able to find out tonight. How so? That's what I came to tell you. You're a free man. Oh, so they finally gave up on that sand, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, in disgust. They've given us 24 hours to get the Shanghai lady out of port. Well, that means whoever's going to contact me better hurry up. Come on, let's get back aboard ship. Here, Steve. I'll give you a hand up on deck. Thanks. Hey, why are all the guys clustered around the rail over there? Let's go see what's up. Look. Tennessee's in the middle. He's got a pair of binoculars trained on that yacht over there. Holy man, oh man, oh Okay, man. break it up, boys. Break it up. What's oh. going on? Uh, oh, oh, Jeff. Would you take a look at that? Let's have those binoculars. Oh, you mean that yacht? <laughs> I mean, what's on it? What's that? Oh, well, well. What is it? Oh, a little number in dark glasses and a bikini bathing suit. Hey, she's waving at me. Look, what's with you, anyway? Catnip, maybe? You know... This Captain Jager should have been invented a long time ago. Uh, Skipper, I'm sure getting lonesome for my binoculars. Okay, Tennessee. Oh, thanks. Oh, shucks, all fogged up. Hey, Steve, look. She's gotten into a motorboat. Yeah, and she's heading this way. Looks like we're going to have a visitor. Come on, let's get down to the gangway. Okay. That's a pretty expensive-looking yacht. Yeah. You think this gal could be the contact? Who knows? Here we are. Captain Jager. Yeah? 
Mind if I come aboard? Not at all. Hi. Here, let me have your hand. Uh, Up you come. Thank you. Well, the same as Captain Jagger himself. Remember me? Well, uh, not exactly. I uh... Patricia Brand. Well, <laughs> well, there's no reason why you should, really. We've never met before. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that. Oh, why? Well, otherwise I'd have known I was slipping, not remembering meeting you. It's just that I wanted to see the famous man close up. Sometimes close-ups aren't so hot. Oh, I'd say in this case it was even better. Mm. That's uh, quite a nice-looking yacht you've got. Were we speaking of yachts? Well, not exactly. <laughs> You're a very interesting combination, Captain Jager. Am I? Yes. I, uh, I collect interesting things, you know. Uh, look, Captain. Uh, yeah, Mike. Excuse me, Patricia. Yeah. What is it, Mike? Another visitor. See? Fago's just helping him on deck. Mm-hmm. Little guy. Ever seen him before? No. He came from the yacht, too. Oh, he looks pretty unhappy about something. Oh, that's not unusual. He's always unhappy. Who is he? Arthur, my husband. You're... Well, well. Up to your old tricks as usual, Patricia? Oh, Arthur, please, let's not be a complete fool. As for you, sir, luring my wife to your ship? This is luring her? Now, look. Arthur, this is Captain Jager. I don't care if you're Captain Kidd. I'll teach you. Oh, now, Arthur. <laughs> now, look, Buster. Cut out the rough stuff. You're not built for it. You put me down. I say, put me down. Okay. But just simmer down. Patricia, come back to the yard at once. Oh, Arthur, really? You heard me at once. Oh, all right, all right. Goodbye for now, Captain. Uh, Good luck with your collection, Patricia. Perhaps I can add to it. Oh, brother. I bet she gives that little guy a bad time. Yeah. Well, it's getting dark. We better head into town to the Blue Parrot Bar and see if my little friend Colette is going to keep her date. Ah, Captain Diego, you have kept the appointment. Sure, Colette. Right on time. Skipper, I'll shove off. I see a friend at the bar. Okay, Mike. I am glad your friend left. It is much better this way. Hey, that fat gent. He seems to be waddling our way. Oh, good evening, Colette. Oh, Herr Van Zandt. This is Captain Jaeger. Captain, Herr Van Zandt, an importer. Herr Van Zandt? Well, yes, sir, the famous Captain Jaeger. I'm honored. You uh, say you're an importer? In the manner of speaking. Uh, come on, Captain. Huh? Must you leave? That's news to me. Please? Okay. Well, perhaps I will see you later, Captain Jaeger. Yeah, who knows? Hey, how come the big desire to leave all of a sudden, Colette? It is just that I want to be alone with you, Captain. Oh? Yeah, this Alice. Hmm? There, this is far enough. Now, why did you want to be alone with me? Simply for this. Oh, no. No. Sorry, too late. I'll take it now. Now, would you mind telling me what this is all about? You kill him. So I want to kill you. I killed who? Henry, my man. He is found dead in an alley a month ago. I learned that Captain Jaeger killed him. So I swear I killed Captain Jaeger. Look, Colette, you've got the wrong guy. I didn't kill your boyfriend. I wasn't anywhere near around here a month ago. But, but they say that Captain Jaeger... Sure, they're always blaming everything on me. Now you better run along and don't get any more ideas like this. All right, Captain. I'm sorry. Oh, brother. Close. What? Oh, Mike... Yeah, I was telling you. 
You know, I've just had a very unpleasant thought. Yeah, so did I. I wonder how many other people are gunning for him. Him? You mean you. On that note of cheer, we go back to the ship. Tennessee is on deck, still glued to his binoculars and staring through the darkness at the lighted yacht and Patricia. Mike and I head for my cabin. Still, no contact. Hey, Mr. Mitchell. Oh, Van Zandt. I took the liberty of waiting in your cabin because I must talk to you, Captain Jigger. Why, sure, that's quite all right. You uh, maybe have a business proposition for me? No, I have some credentials for you. Yeah. Credentials? I don't... Hey, you're a Dutch intelligence agent. Precisely. I tried to speak to you earlier this evening, but it seemed the little Colette had other plans. Hmm. What's on your mind? There has been a leak. The whole plan is snow. What? How could there have been a leak? Your Navy discovered a shallow grave in Luzon. The body of a man named Bakewell. But Bakewell is one of my crew. Not the real Bakewell. An impostor who killed Bakewell and assumed his identity. And thus was able to learn of the plan. Well, that explains the leak, all right. We have arrested this false Bakewell. He is now in jail ashore. But the damage has been done. It sure has. Oh, brother. This whole operation up in smoke and no closer to finding out who the brains of the smuggling operation is than we were before. Van Zandt and Mike go below to search the phony Bakewell's belongings, and I sit there thinking about the whole deal. Suddenly, I realize there's something that doesn't add up. When did the leak take place? None of the crew members, including the phony Bakewell, could have known what the operation was until they came aboard the Shangri-La. Once aboard, there was no chance for them to communicate with anybody. No chance except, yeah, it begins to slide into place. I go up on deck and get into a rowboat. I row quietly over to Patricia's yacht and ease aboard. I hear voices aft. I move quietly along the deck. There are lights on under the awning in the stern. Stop that. Oh, for heaven's sake, could you please stop harping no. about it? How was I to know who he was? If I hadn't caught up with you, you probably would have ruined everything. Oh, what I hear sounds real interesting, and I want to hear more, but I don't get a chance because right then there's a gun in the back of my neck. One of the yacht crew. He shoves me forward under the awning. Well, 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 look what we have here. Hello, Arthur. And Patricia. Well, it's Captain Jager himself. Otherwise known as the United States agent. We were just talking about you. So I gathered. I finally figured out how your plant, the phony Bakewell, got the word out. He was the one who helped you up on deck when you came busting over after Patricia. Matter of fact, he probably signaled you to get over there fast, Arthur. He did indeed. As he helped me aboard, he told me what he'd learned of your operation. You uh, put on the jealous husband act and got Patricia away from me before she could tip anything. Exactly. So you're the boy who's been financing most of the gun running, narcotic smuggling, and various other charming enterprises in this neck of the woods? I have that honor. Well, what happens now, Arthur? <laughs> Need you ask? You'll be escorted to one of the staterooms. We get underway and, shall we say, let you off somewhere in the China Sea? Perkin, take him forward. Move. Okay, but just one thing. What is that? That collection we were talking about, Patricia. I'd like to add to mine. Oh? Right about now. Mm. Patricia! Mm. Hi. Oh, really? When I want my back scratched, I'll let you know. <laughs> Sorry. All right, get moving. I start forward, the guard behind me, and I don't know whether the gag has worked or not, but I do know that if it hasn't, I'm cooked. The guard takes me to one of the staterooms near the bow, opens the door, and motions me in. I decide I can't wait any longer. Suddenly, I lurch back against the door, trapping his gun hand. Before he can fire, I give him a left hook and start for the bow. 
There's a gent in front of me with a gun. I see his finger start tightening up on the trigger. But I'm not the one who collects the slug. He does. He crumples over. My eyes flick to the rail. There, head and shoulders over the deck and grinning at me down the barrel of his smoking squirrel gun is Tennessee. And behind him, the rest of my crew, they all swarm over the place. The yacht, and five minutes later, the free-for-all is over. Arthur's neatly trussed up in his cabin. Patricia and hers in Tennessee. <laughs> my, 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 that little fracas didn't last nay long enough. Doggone, I was having the most fun. Tennessee, I'm sure glad you're a peeping Tom at heart. Well, sir, there I was just squinting through my binocs at that lovely little old gal, and suddenly I see you step up, plant a big smacker on her. Then you start tracing a big SOS with your finger right across her back. All I can say is you sure got here in a hurry. I wasn't sure you'd know I was in trouble. <laughs> you kidding, Skip? What do you mean? Well, if you want to be rescued from that, I figured how bad can trouble be? Yeah, I guess you've got a point there. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is produced and directed by Bill Karn. Others in the cast were Tony Barrett, Paul Fries, Irene Winston, Paul Dubov, and Gene Tatum. Be with us again next week at this time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Welcome back. Now, it's worth noting that this episode was actually adapted into a TV episode uh, that we played uh, several months back called The Submarine Story because so much of this story was set on a submarine, apparently. Uh, and in that particular production, not only does Brian Donlavey uh, reprise the role of Steve Mitchell for television, but also Paul Fries and Paul Dubov both appear as well, after having been in the radio version. Uh, as with the television version, I love the concept and thought it was a really interesting idea. Uh, the Navy inventing the character of Captain uh, Jaeger and having Steve go undercover as him has a lot of story potential, so much that I don't think a single half-hour episode could contain it. I really wish this was a multi-partner, and I don't like the fact that a mole on the ship brings the story to a premature conclusion, and finding the masterminds of the smuggling in the first port they tried is really insanely lucky. The radio version did have a chance to be better than the TV version. Uh, the end of the radio version, with the crew of Steve's ship boarding and overtaking the smugglers' crew, is a great idea. But it's hard for me to give it a whole lot of credit when this sort of swashbuckling battle is exposited over binaration. Not even a sound effect. Really? Okay. 
Still, even though it came to an end sooner than I would like, it was fun while it lasted and I enjoyed hearing the radio version of what was one of my favorite TV episodes. Listener comments and feedback now, and we go to YouTube, where one listener writes regarding the episode Epidemic, Needle in a Haystack, and he says, What turned me off about this episode were the Saturday morning cartoonish German accents. Usually, I can look the other way, but these were over the top. Only the woman scientist was passable slash possible. In context, we are six years from World War II and two years, I think, from the creation of the Federation of Germany. So I guess they are still the baddies at this point, and the powers that be don't want the average radio listener to forget it. Well, thanks for the comment. Uh, In terms of the reason for the accents, I don't think there was any sort of geopolitical reason for it. Certainly, as a country, America didn't view Germans, particularly those in West Germany where this story was set, as we were also just two years post-Berlin airlift. I think that the way that dialects were done had a lot more to do with a lack of exposure to realistic native accent for so many countries. In the 21st century, it's a very different situation. And much of that is down to YouTube. I've heard actors who got a part for a character of a nationality that they never performed before. And they went ahead and went on YouTube and listened to native speakers actually speaking the language in their own country. I think that for so many people, the idea of what a realistic accent for a particular dialect uh, is formed by popular culture to a great degree, and popular culture could be very out of touch with how people actually spoke. And then another listener writes in regarding Operation Hotfoot, and uh, he writes, This story sounded really familiar. Then I remembered it's basically the plot points from Ian Fleming's Dr. No. But this episode is from 1951, and Dr. No was written in 1957. I'm not saying Ian Fleming borrowed elements from this story for his novel, but the two stories are too similar for there not to be a link somewhere. Well, thanks for the comment, and I I did go ahead and check through, and it doesn't appear that James Bond sang a Calypso song. I'm not a huge Bond fan. I've not read or seen Dr. No, but from what I've been able to read in terms of synopsises, there were more to the story, although there is some similarity to the Dangerous Assignment episode. But what's similar about the story is not something Fleming couldn't have come up with on his own. I certainly don't think he wrote it down as a potential plot. Now, a while back, I mentioned that there was a problem at the BBC with writers who listened to American radio programs and rewrote the jokes for British audiences. So it was possible for... Ian Fleming to have listened to Dangerous Assignment via shortwave 
and that some of the plot ideas may have served as some sort of subconscious inspiration. But we don't actually have any evidence one way or another. Thank you so much for the comment. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Guy, Patreon supporter since September 2022, currently supporting the podcast at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. If you're listening on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. All those great things that help the channel to grow. We'll be back next Wednesday with another dangerous assignment. But join us back here tomorrow for Mr. Chameleon, where... Mr. Chameleon, it was like a nightmare. Here we were, this man I'd never seen before, and his friends, sitting here chatting quite casually. And the next thing I knew, he... he was dead. It was horrible. I can imagine, Mrs. Hart. Uh, by the way, where was your husband? He hadn't come home yet. He still isn't home. We called his club, the office. Mm. Beatrice! Oh, here he is now. Edward! Oh, Edward, I thought you'd never come. Oh, my poor darling, I couldn't believe it when I heard that you should have been here alone. I'll never forgive myself. Well, don't be silly. It's all right now that you're here. Oh, they told me outside, Mr. Chameleon, that you were on the job. Uh, yes, Mr. Hart. I spent so many pleasant hours here in your home that I hate to come here on police business. I'm sorry you and Mrs. Hart are involved. Oh, but not directly. I'd only seen that man, Van Vogel, two or three times. I met him in Paris when I was there last year on business. He was an American who preferred living in Paris. Uh, to be honest, I thought him a highly obnoxious character. But, Edward, why did you ask him to come here to our home? I couldn't get out of it, sweetheart. I ran into him this noon, and he immediately told me that he'd heard I had a painting by Rembrandt, and he simply had to see it. Could he come for tea? So he came. And he died without even seeing the painting, without even having tea. But, Mr. Chameleon, the poison... The poison was administered some time before he got here. It was that kind of poison, slow and agonizing. Incidentally, Mr. Hart, uh, why were you so late getting home? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.